0: When you came in today, I hope you got this brochure, okay? Hold on to this. If you didn't get it, you can stop by any of our guest services in the concourse on your way out. This will be a very important piece in the days and weeks ahead. In fact, I'm excited to kick off a new series uh, next Sunday on favor, and we're going to be talking through some specific things here. But this is this brochure is really a, a vision brochure for our church, and uh, it's giving you a footprint. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Healing Place is one church in many different locations. We have 12 different expressions of HPC. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're going global. I don't know if you realize that or not, but it's amazing to see what God's doing through our domestic campuses, through our international campuses, your heart being expressed all around the world. And there are certain projects across our campuses that we're believing God for. And this will give you a little footprint of how your influence is being stepped all around the globe, but some of the things that we're believing God for at different campuses. And I'll draw your attention to some of those specific things in the weeks ahead. But I wanted to give this to you and let you read it. Now, put this somewhere where you can find it, refer to it, maybe put it, you know, with your Bible or your devotional book or put it on your nightstand. And, and I want you to begin to pray as you read this and let God begin to stretch your vision Stretch your capacity and your understanding for where he wants to take us as a church. Today is kind of a standalone message before we step into our series next week. But I want to talk to you out of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 3. If you don't have your Bibles, Ephesians 3.20 is right here on this brochure. And, and I, I love this verse. I really feel it's one of the anchors for us as a church. God began to speak to me a number of years ago about this specific passage. And I thought it would be good on this Sunday with that brochure, and we're kind of setting our sights toward the vision and where God is taking us. Uh, I thought it would be good to teach out of Ephesians 3, verse 20. Ephesians three twenty. I read it with me. The Bible says this. Now to him, somebody say to him, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. I think you ought to circle those three words. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. All that we ask or even think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. Can I have a good amen? Oh, I love it, I love it. Now, if you're, if you're reading that from your Bible, it may have certain headings, different passages have certain headings. Your Bible may call this a doxology. Have you heard the word doxology? I know it's kind of a church word, it's a, it seems to be a real you know Bible college theological type word. Doxology is, is simply a short hymn of praise to God often added at the end of a psalm. This would be known as a doxology. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. He wrote this, actually it's not a book, it's a letter. He wrote a letter to the, the church at Ephesus while he was in a prison in Rome. And I've actually been in that prison, in that part of the rock that's cut out underneath. And it, Paul's in this inner dungeon and he's writing a letter to the Ephesian church. And this is known as a doxology. It's a hymn of praise often added to the end of a psalm. The word doxology, you know there's actually a song called doxology? Nod your head if you know that song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You like that? I've been working on that all week, baby. Praise him, all creatures. Here below, yeah. Praise him above ye. Praise Father, Son, and Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Y'all are good. (laughs) Man, we're gonna pass out robes next Sunday, and y'all gonna be the choir. I love that. You know that really doxology is kind of like a praise break. You know what I'm talking about? How many ever just taken a random Praise break. You ever been driving down the road in your car and you just bust out in song? Man, you're, 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 it's your song that comes on, man. And you know it, man. You're just giving praise to God and you sing like nobody even is listening but God himself. Aren't you thankful the Bible says make a joyful noise? Because this sounds good to God. I think you ought to take a praise break from time to time. Some of you ought to do it at work. Oh, well, pastor, I'm going to freak everybody out. They're going to think I'm crazy. Can I tell you something? They already think you're crazy. (laughs) they already talking about you. Take a praise break at school. I wonder if there's some students who would be radical enough in the hallways of their school to just give God a little praise. Oh, wow, they're not praising him here at church. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because last night... I was kind of in this. It was, an, it was a massive outpouring of praise. I mean, it was like unparalleled. There were about 102,321 of my friends gathered in a stadium. Come on, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Man, you talk about unparalleled energy and passion and when that golden band from Tiger let. dun, 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 dun. I'm telling you, everybody, stand to their feet. Man, that team comes running out onto the field. There's fireworks. And everybody, I mean, there was energy up in that stadium. How many know, man, there was something happening, and the whole city of Baton Rouge, I mean, they were participating in it, and they didn't care. I saw grown men high-fiving each other, didn't even know each other, hugging each other. Come on now, you hear me? Now, listen, I'm all about cheering for them Tigers. I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. I was there. I was shouting with you. But God forbid that I give more to Tiger Stadium than I do to his house. Now, cheer for your Tigers. Cheer for your Jaguars. Cheer for your Saints. Cheer for your team. But don't give them more praise than you give the God creator of this universe. Can I have a good amen? I love, you see, this, this 320, this, this passage, and it's one of my all-time favorites, it is a faith declaration for you, for your family, for your relationships. I'm praying this over your business, over your finances, over your future. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. And my prayer for you is that as we talk through this today, that faith would begin to stir and rise up in your soul. You know, you got to mix faith with the promises that God gives you. Can I have a good amen? God's promise won't do you any good unless you mix faith with it. Come on, are you you hearing me today? And so when we talk about exceedingly abundantly above, I pray that it's stirring your faith for what God declares over you. You know, sometimes when I travel and I'm in different parts of the country, we'll go to a restaurant, and one of the first questions I ask is, hey, do y'all have sweet tea here? You'll be amazed at how many restaurants don't serve sweet tea. It's it's disappointing. Or their version of sweet tea is this. No, no, we don't have sweet tea. But see that yellow packet, that pink packet, that blue? It's right there at your table. Not the same. Can I have a good amen? I mean, I almost get offended. Like, for real? You're going to call that sweet tea? Listen. They don't know, but we know in the South how to make sweet tea. Can I have a better amen? You know what you do? You take some tea bags, and you put it in a pot, and you boil it in water. Are you with me? You got to bring it to a boil. Then you get this container, and you put in cups, <laughs> cups of sugar. I mean, at the, the bottom of it, it's got to have several inches of sugar. Just come on. Can I get Mmm. Yeah, and so while the tea, while the water is still hot and boiling, then you pour that hot water into that pitcher and then you stir it up. Don't give me the little pink packet that okay, it's it's down there at the bottom. There's, it's it's sweetener is down there, and that's not sweet tea. You see, we in the South know how to make sweet tea. It's so good. How many go to like Cains and just get a sweet tea? Move of God. Because somewhere along the line, somebody, probably a Cajun, down south, knew how to make sweet tea properly. Something about the sugar that dissolves all throughout the contents of that. And it's the same way with your faith. Listen, you've got to mix faith with God's word. Otherwise, the promises that God has declared for you, you can't walk in them. It's just kind of stuck at the bottom. See, when you come to church and I, when you hear a word like this today, I pray that it stirs your faith. And you say, you know what? Paul wrote those words, but he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because 2,000 years later, God knew that I would need those words. Turn your neighbor and say, this word's for you. Now, I want to break this down into three simple thoughts, uh, this doxology, what Paul has, has written to the church. If you take a notes, write this first phrase down. I want to take it. Three points, three phrases. Number one, now to him. To him. Somebody say to him. Now to him. What does it mean to live unto the Lord? What does it mean to live unto him? You see, the world in which we live tells us live for yourself. Or live for money. Or live for fame. Pursue power. You need to live for your own success. Yet the Apostle Paul says, now to him, we don't live into ourselves. If all you're doing is living for you, your world is really small. Have you discovered that life is bigger than you and God has a plan that's bigger than you? And if you'll live unto the Lord, I want to challenge you today, live for something bigger. Don't just buy into the lies of culture that says it's all about you. I've discovered this, that when I live for myself, my world begins to shrink. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. Somebody say amen. When all I do is think about myself, my world shrinks to a small circle of me. But when I make a decision to live unto the Lord, my world enlarges and it stretches There's room for you in my world. There's there's a purpose that's bigger than me that I begin to embrace. For those of us in the body of Christ, we said when we said yes to Jesus, we said, Lord, my life is not my own. It belongs to you. And now I wake up and I say, God, what is it that's going to be pleasing to you? Come on, are you with me today? What is it that's going to please the Lord? Because, and and this, this really, when you live now unto him, I'm telling you, it is a game changer. It'll change the way that you spend your time. It'll change the way that you'll spend your money. It changes the way you talk to your spouse. Come on now, anybody? Mm-hmm. It changes the way that you relate to your kids. Your, your priorities are different because you're not living to please self. You're living to please God. Can I talk a little bit about holiness and how it steps into our habits? When we watch television, we say, Lord, is this pleasing to you? When we look at our social media accounts, Lord, is what I'm setting before my eyes, is it pleasing to you? God, my, my attitude at work, my, 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 my relationships with my coworkers, is it pleasing to you? Now unto him changes everything. You can tell those people who live into the Lord. I made a quick list. People who live unto the Lord, they show up to work on time. They work hard. They're honest. They give their very best, even when others cut corners, even when their boss is obnoxious or unrealistic. You know why? Because it wasn't between you and them. It was between you and him. Can I have a better amen? And y'all are quiet today. Those who live unto the Lord, you can tell a person who lives unto the Lord because he'll treat people right even when he didn't get treated right. he'll, He'll do right by others even when he was mistreated himself. You know why? Because it wasn't between you and them. It's between you and him. Some of you are going to have to suffer wrong, and you're going to have to receive it in the right spirit and not think about revenge and say, Lord, I did that as unto you. Are you with me? Those who live unto the Lord, they forgive even when they've been wronged. They forgive even when that person didn't ask for forgiveness. You see, the Bible says, Lord, forgive forgive us just as we have forgiven others. How many of you need forgiveness in your life? How many of you just this morning needed God to apply some mercy to you? How many know somebody that needs a whole lot of mercy? The Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. Why is that? Because you used up all of your yesterdays. You used all that up and you needed fresh, something fresh. i tell you this. Sometimes your enemies will do more to promote you than your friends. Because they thought they were going to stop you. They thought they were going to discourage you. They thought that they were going to intimidate you. Little did they know that God was going to use that to light a fire inside of you. You see, it's not about you and them. It's about you and him. People who live unto the Lord, they have a different perspective when it comes to pain. And I know we've talked about pain in the last several weeks, and all of pain hurts, and I'm not trying to minimize pain. But I'm going tell you this, God will use pain not to destroy you, but to develop you. You see, sometimes pain will inspect us, pain will correct us, pain will direct us, but God will always use pain to perfect us. Those who live unto him, they, 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 they march to the, the beat of a different drum. They don't take their cues from culture or Hollywood or media. You see, I'm not living for temporary things. I've made a decision that what's eternal is most important. Living unto the Lord. The Bible says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Now, I want you to dial in on this phrase just for a second. Exceedingly abundantly is a double compound word. Uh, it's the highest form of comparison imaginable. It's the super of all superlatives. In fact, if you study that in the Greek, it's literally a term of double abundance. Come on, somebody say double. Double. Double abundance, the absolute infinity of God's power, exceedingly abundantly, is a term of double abundance. When I was studying that this week, I kind of had this picture that came to my mind, speaking of double. How many of you remember growing up with a trampoline? How many used to jump on a trampoline as a kid? Okay, when the the kids were really small, we got a trampoline. Rachel was really concerned about, because it's kind of a dangerous thing, but how many of you, you have a danger gene inside of you? Yes, and you kind of thrive when it comes to risk. Rachel was really concerned. She wanted the net. They're, they make these trampolines nowadays with a net. We can't put up a trampoline in the backyard unless we have a net because she didn't want the kids to end up heads first in the flower beds, right? And so we get this trampoline. Alexa, she was small. I mean, I don't remember how old she was. We're back there jumping. So we discovered some tricks on the trampoline. I discovered that, that when, when we hit the trampoline at the same time, it's called a double bounce. How many knows that? The super bounce. Oh, yes. That's powerful. We we discovered that if we kind of time it just right and we we hit the trampoline at the same time, I could launch her little 52-pound body into the air. And she would claw like a cat being thrown out of a second-story window. It was awesome. And so... So we said, hey, Rachel, come check this out. Come see the new trick that we learned. Ready? And so it was like, I mean, the the perfect convergence. I mean, her weight, my weight. There was like a, a, a lunar eclipse. All the stars lined up at the same time. We hit that trampoline, and she launched like a rocket. And Rachel's eyes were like, I mean, she's like, be careful. Don't ever do that again. And we didn't. Until mama went back inside. (laughs) But you know, I thought about that. When her weight and my weight hit that trampoline at the same time, she was launched to an altitude that she could never reach on her own. Now watch this. When God's exceedingly meets his abundantly, we go above. Above. You think about it. This is a term of double abundance. Now, exceedingly abundantly, when those things converge in your life, then you reach an altitude that you could never reach on your own. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Life works better when you walk in God's exceedingly and abund- now, now, listen, mix faith with this. I didn't write this. I'm simply reporting it. The Apostle Paul says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly Above. How many of you, this is just stretching your faith right now. You feel God's stretching you, enlarging your capacity to believe him. How many of you are believing God for something specific in your life? Okay, only three people. Some of you need a dream. How many of you have a dream, a passion, a vision? There's a promise that you're holding on to for your life, for your family, for your future. Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do with that. Cancel it. And double it triple it she'll be like whoa what 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 what, what, wait wait pastor now wait a second sometimes i think we're afraid that we ask god for too much and god's up in heaven saying wait a second that's all you got that that that's all you're gonna believe me for come on now you are, are you into this Sometimes we're afraid that, oh, I don't want to be selfish and ask God for too. I don't want to believe for too much. And God's saying, wait a second, don't make me small. Don't make me small in your dream, in your passion, in your prayer. Don't limit me to your own understanding. How many of you know we serve a big God? And I believe that we ought to have a big dream. I don't want to insult a big God with a small dream. But, you know, the truth is we're kind of conditioned for limitation. We kind of think in terms of lack or mediocrity. I want you to hear this. I want to see if you can finish these sayings, okay? I want to give you the first phrase, and I want you to tell me the end of it. And see, Mama used to tell us a bunch of things growing up. She'd say stuff like, you can't have your cake and what? Yes. Okay, your mom said the same thing, right? What about this? If it looks too good to be true? probably is. If it can go wrong, what goes up? Look before you. Leave well enough. Let sleeping dogs keep both feet on. Keep your head above. Don't count your chickens. Don't bite off more. Do you hear what we grew up with our whole lives? Yeah, and we wonder. For real. I mean, if you listen to that long enough, you start to believe it. We're conditioned for lack. But you know what? God has something greater for us. In fact, he says, if you live unto me, there's this thing called exceedingly, abundantly above, and I can do it in you. Don't limit God simply because you're limited in your understanding. See, sometimes we only follow God if we understand him. I'm going to tell you this. If you serve a God that you always understand, then you have become God. You have put your own intellect on that seat of of glory. And God says, wait a second. There are things about me that you don't know that you won't understand. You're going to have to trust. That's where faith comes in. You know, I was reading in Mark chapter 9 this week. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. This, and some of you know this. You're familiar with this passage. He's up there with Peter, James, and John. He brought his disciples up there. And lo and behold, two figures appear. There's Moses and Elijah. And here they are in glory on the top of this mountain. And Peter's just so excited. I mean, he's, he didn't know what to say, but he had to say something. How many of you have a friend like that in your life? They don't know what to say, but they feel like they got to say something. And so Peter's like, oh, Jesus, this is awesome. This is wonderful. I mean, we should just stay here and build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Jesus like, man, chill. (laughs) Not staying up here. Bible says they go down to the foot of the mountain because there was a man whose son was troubled. And this son represents the lost, the hurting, and the next generation. The Bible says he was troubled by a dark spirit, and so this man brought his son to the disciples to, to pray for him so he could be healed and delivered, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus looked at him, and he said, You faithless generation, how long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. What's going on? And the father's talking to Jesus, and this is what he says in Mark 9, 22. He says, Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can i chuckled when i read that again lord have mercy on us and help us if you can and jesus said what do you mean if i can hello i can see jesus be like boys he doesn't know who he's talking to what do you mean if i can are you are you kidding me if listen i was here when this whole thing was created There is no lack on my part. There is no lack in my ability or in my power. Jesus said, if you can just believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Can you say amen? Amen. Not some things, not most things, not hard things or or, 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 or easy things. He said, all things are possible to those who believe. The issue has never been the ability of Jesus. The issue is with our ability to believe. Come on, are you with me now? When you live unto him, the Bible says, exceedingly and abundantly causes you to go above. I believe that God can use whoever to accomplish whatever. God can use whoever to accomplish what. Well, what about us? If I'm living unto him, that means my life is surrendered. And God, you use me as you choose. Sometimes we struggle to believe because of what we see. Let me challenge you. Hear me, church. When what you see doesn't match what you believe, then shut your eyes and hold on to your faith. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. This promise is packed with so much stuff for those of us who live unto him. The Bible says, now to him, number two, be glory in the church. Somebody say glory. glory. Now, what is glory here? We sang about glory this morning. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. I love to sing. I told Rachel the other day, I said, Baby, do you like my singing? She said, I love your preaching. <laughs> I said, No, do you like my singing? She said, Keep preaching that word. <laughs> We're singing about the glory. What are we talking about? What is glory? Okay, there's there's two, two definitions I want to give you. One of them, glory literally means the manifested presence of God. It's when we say show us your glory, glory is something that you see. It's the presence of God expressed, the manifested presence of God. But here in this passage, in Ephesians 3, verse 20-21, in the Greek, glory means that which inspires good opinion. Interesting, huh? I'm going to say that again. Glory in this passage literally means that which inspires good opinion. In other words, God's saying, I want my glory to be expressed in the church. Read, read, read the verse now. It says, now to him be glory in the church. God's saying, I want something in my church to be irresistible, to be attractive, something within my body of believers that inspires the good opinion from others. Are you with me? Now, here's the challenge. How attractive are we as a church? I I pray that there's something about the glory of God being expressed among us that a watching world will see it and say, Man, i got to have that for myself. There should be an attractive quality that you and I walk in as the body of Christ. All of you married couples, how many remember the first time that you saw your spouse? How many remembers that? Oh, yeah. I'll never forget the first time I saw Rachel. Show me your glory. I met her in church. I really did. Come on, fellas. You want to find the right person? You got to look in the right place. I was in church. My friend came up and said, hey, Mike, I want you to meet, meet a good friend. In fact, I think she, she, she's going to debate this. You were, you were kind of into him, weren't you? you? Y'all were dating for real. Is he kind of like your boyfriend at the time? No? He told me he was dating you. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so she was kind of seeing this guy that was my friend. We were at church. And, man, she showed up. I was like, whoa. What, you talk about an attractive Spirit. (laughs) I thought, I, I literally thought I heard the heavenly choir singing the hallelujah chorus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, behold, the beauty of the Lord passing before thine eyes. Go up and possess the land. And so I had to strategically, now when you're in church, now I know none of y'all ever do this because y'all are so holy, but man, I was scoping and hoping when I went to church, man. <laughs> oh, don't, oh hey, don't judge me. Don't you judge me. Man, I'd just be like checking things out. i say, ooh, praise the Lord for her. Yes. And I would strategically sit by Rachel and, because I wanted the pastor to say, reach over and take your neighbor by the hand. I'm just doing my religious duty, honoring my pastor. Reach over and grab her by the hand. And it was like, I mean, it literally felt like 220 volts of electric shock. There was some chemistry there. And this girl was crazy about me too. I'm telling you, she was. Hey, I didn't share this in the other service, but I'm going to now. Remember that time, babe? (laughs) You know what I'm getting ready to share, don't you? Yeah, okay, so look. Yeah, that's right. So I was sitting by Rachel, and she kind of did, you know, I was kind of, I did the stretch. Oh, praise the Lord. I just, okay, I'm listening to the word. And she kind of leaned forward, and she crossed her leg, and she tucked her foot behind my calf muscle. Oh, I almost did the Holy Ghost helicopter right there in surface. You know that's true, girl. She tucked her foot behind my calf, and I was like, Jesus. I felt heaven. Where am I going with this? I don't even know what I'm talking about now. Oh, the church, the church. (laughs) What would happen if we became so attractive to the world? Listen to me. The glory of God inspires good opinion, okay? Watch this. I believe that the purpose of God for us as a church is to be attractive to the world. You know why? Because we are distinctively different. We don't walk, walk like, talk like, act like, think like the world. There's, there's a different spirit inside of us, and they long for it. The glory of God being manifested in the church. Now, let me tell you this. The church is the vehicle that God wants to use to demonstrate his glory in the earth. Now, I'm going to give you something heavy, okay? You ready? The world may hate us because of Jesus. Jesus. But let's never give the world a reason to hate Jesus because of us. Does that make sense? If I'm hated by the world, may it not be because of my political affiliation, my, 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 the, the team that I cheer for, That I don't care, for whatever. It's not, if I'm going to be criticized by the world, may I be criticized because of my, my allegiance and my loyalty to Christ. But I never want to put a bad taste in somebody's mouth as it relates to Jesus because of the way that I act, the things that I say. And what I if they're going to hate you, let them hate you because of your love for Christ. But if they're going to hate Jesus, I pray that we never contribute to that hate. I pray that let's don't ever, we talk about being attractive and irresistible. Let's don't ever be, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's don't ever turn a a, a watching world away because we, we don't know how to treat people. Or we mishandle things. Listen, I'm telling you, the love of God is irresistible. And when the glory of God is being displayed through the church, I think the world longs to be a part of that. Say, Mike, what is the glory? And I'm going to close and ask the band to come up. I've had to cut this message a little short. I'm running out of time. What does, what does the glory of the Lord expressed through the church look like? Here's one, 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 one aspect of his glory. I was talking to Pastor Ryan Frith. Many of you know our Healing Place campus in Denham Springs. And, man, I had a chance to go out there last Sunday. Wow. Wow. Guys, listen, you would be so proud. Uh, there's something special that's happening in Livingston Parish through HPC Denham. So I was there and I was visiting with Ryan, he told me, he said, you know, Mike, I sit on the board of an organization called Mighty Moms. Interesting, Mighty Moms. And he's a a board member. I said, well, tell me about that. He said, Mighty Moms is an organization that it's a nonprofit whose sole purpose is to feed students. They, They feed them in schools, libraries. There's a food pantry portion to Mighty Moms. They're all about addressing hunger. He said, we were in a board meeting talking about hunger, and it actually came up, how about we not just feed people, but we equip them to feed themselves. You know, give the man a fish. You fed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, right? So Ryan's thinking about, okay, equipping people to feed themselves. You know what he thought about? He thought about what's coming up in Denham Springs and right here in Baton Rouge. You know, this Thanksgiving, at Highland, we're going to give out 700 hams for families, and in denim, they're going to give out 150. He thought about hams for fams. You saw it on the, the announcements that we're, we're preparing to do. And part of 320, what you're giving is helping to buy a bunch of hams for those that, that need help. So he said, instead of giving just hams, what if we gave crockpots? Crockpot. Who knew that crockpots could be part of the glory of God? What about crockpots? So he, he talked to some of his guys said, listen... Not just giving away 150 hams, but let's give out 150 crock pots. Won't you call around? Call Walmart, call the Bed Bath and Beyond, call Target, call whoever. We need to get some crock pots. Every ham that we pass out needs a crock pot. So the guys were talking about it and in their small group one of the men in the small group says, wait a second, I, I'm, I'm a uh, kind of high-end manager at the Walmart in, in I guess it's Walker, Denham Springs, I'm not sure where. And so he said, if you'll fill out a grant, I'll push that thing through and we'll get the resources, hopefully, to buy some crock pots. So Ryan went online, filled out the grant request at one of the Walmarts. Well, he found out he filled it out at the wrong Walmart. So then he had filled it out at the, at the Walmart that the guy works at, and long story short, Both grants got funded. Both Walmarts funded these grants, providing enough money to do what? Purchase 150 crockpots. So now in Denham Springs, we're giving out hams, and here's a crockpot, and 10 recipes with this crockpot to help you feed your family. You know what? I think that feels like an attractive church that cares about feeding people's belly, but it's really all about nourishing somebody's soul. And what if you and I, throughout this holiday season, could live our lives in such a way where we say, you know what, it's not about me, now unto him. Be all glory in the church. We are the vehicle that God wants to use to inspire good opinion in the world today of who Jesus is. The Bible says, to all generations to all generations. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago in a prison cell in Rome. But now 2,000 years later, we're declaring and proclaiming and demonstrating the glory of God to this generation. And guess what? Your sons and your daughters and the generation coming after us. You know, in that 320 brochure, you'll see one of the things that we're trying to do here. We've got to create more kid space. Isn't that nuts? This building is 127,000 square feet, and we've run out of room as it relates to your kids. We're going to convert the cafe loft. I'll tell you more about it next week. But the loft in the cafe is a beautiful portion of this building. But we're going to repurpose that space because we need an environment for fifth and sixth grade students. And guess what? I got a fifth grader at my house. He told me this morning, he said, Daddy, I'm coming to church with you early today. I'm like, really, why? He said, because I want a cinnamon Pop-Tart. I said, really? He said, "Yes. Yeah, cinnamon Pop-Tart is my go-to. I, I like strawberry, but cinnamon Pop-Tart is, guess what? In the fifth and sixth grade environment, we're giving them a cinnamon Pop-Tart. They're listening. They're learning. They're growing in their faith. Listen, the glory of God to every generation. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.